Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, everyone. It is the Red Men Originals podcast with me, Paul Machin, Chris Page, Chloe Bloxham and Dan Club. Yes, um, I don't know whether you've heard, but currently right now, Liverpool are top of the Premier League. Yes. Um, and we weren't when we last did this podcast. <laughs> so, great. <laughs> that was great. Um, yeah, uh, we're going to be talking about um, the pub in Crystal Palace, which in itself is not, was not, <laughs> not a great experience oh, or a particularly good game of football, but it ended spectacularly well. Um, later on in the show we're going to be talking about Joel Matip's injury and how Liverpool cope with that um, large pertain around the January transfer window and then with USG final Europa League group game looming uh, we're going to have a little chat about basically how many kids Jürgen Klopp puts out in that uh, before we do uh, a couple of things uh, we've got two prizes to give away on our advent calendar of Liverpool goodness uh, for all of the legend subscribers over on redmanplus.com daily draws I say daily draws we're giving away equivalency of a prize a day because some days we're not in so we have to do two like today uh, so we're going to be giving away first and foremost is it the the little figures first Dan yeah did the figures first yeah, yeah cool so we've got the four little Liverpool figures uh, which are in front of me which include I was going to name all four of them but I, it's quite difficult to reach them so I'm going to say includes I want to say Ibu Kanate. So, yeah, cool. Um, yeah. Action back is there, I can see him. Yeah. I, I that would have been the best one to pick up, wouldn't it? It would have been the Virgil's easiest to there. identify. Yeah, and that looks like I can't see from here. Har- that looks like Harvey Elliott. Yeah, it's Harvey but Elliott. But without the blonde, he's doing like the celebration as well. He's even doing the celebration. Yeah, I mean, there's no way he's in that. But there you go. Look at that. <laughs> Great, um, fabulous. So yeah, let's do that fair prize draw first, and then we've got the beers on the road to give away. So it's time to spin the wheel. Let's spin the wheel. Zeppelin 2002 congratulations well oh, done mate. you are winning the Liverpool minifigures um, soccer stars. stars that's the name for soccer them they didn't call that when I was a kid um, right and then we've got these uh, as expertly uh, showcased by Dan and Chloe beers Beer Van, Road. Van Dyke. we've got Bostat we've got the Flying Scott Van Divabo Trent Super there's yeah. all kinds it will be in a packet I've just taken them Egyptian out. King as well for the so. purpose of this so mm-hmm. yeah right okay so we're going to spin the wheel one more time. Barely on the clock. Barely on the clock. Oh. I just was so excited. <laughs> Go on, Declan. So oh. Ben J. Ellis, 81, or Ben Jealous, if you will, <laughs> 81. We can clap, yeah. Well done, well done. Top of the league. Yeah, well done. Congratulations. You've won some uh, Liverpool-themed beers of Anfield Road beer mats. Well done. Uh, yeah, if you want to get yourself in the draw for uh, the upcoming prize draws, uh, which are... A. Um, so yes, tomorrow uh, is Stanley Park Storybook. Uh, is that 
yeah that's the Jeff Golding book cool mm-hmm. uh, and then we've got a limited edition of Professor Everton print to go on the 13th as well but looming large on the horizon we've got a Dirk Kite signed shirt uh, we've got a Jamie Carragher signed Legends programme and we've got an Ibu Canate signed shirt as well so go to redmanplus.com sign up get your name on the wheel of names so you can be clapped at any given moment <laughs> um, and while we're here as well I just want to draw your attention uh, we are live in Belfast and Dublin in the new year uh, if you just type in Redmen TV Ticketmaster I've discovered on Google it'll just take you to the ability to find those uh, and they're uh, March the 24th we're in Belfast at the Limelight uh, on the 25th of March we're in the, at the Academy in Dublin so yeah go and grab your tickets we've also got Liverpool musician superstar Keo with us as well so if you've seen him doing some boss stuff uh, like the Liverpool third kit launch was it the third kit or was it the away kit third kit the purple one third purple yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, he played on stage with Alison Becker uh, and he's going to be playing on stage with us. Is that a little bit of an anticlimax for him? Possibly. Is it a big thing for us? Yes. Yes, it is. So come and join us uh, in uh, Belfast and Dublin in the new year as well. Anyway, right. Let's talk about it as much as I'd love to draw it out. So we don't have to really talk about it. But Chris Pajak, um, Chris Pajak, one Liverpool 2. It was another, another ugly one for the Reds. It wasn't the best first 76 minutes of football I think I've seen, to be honest with you, but it was maybe the best last 15 minutes of football that we're going to see. Um, and that's what matters, isn't it? Ultimately, yada, 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 results, yada, 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 top of the league, top of the league, top of the league, top of the league. That's what matters in this one, and that's what we'll remember from it. You know, uh, doing the watch along with you, I was fuming at the fact that there was 10 minutes of added time. Um, I kind of want to hear what Chloe's got to say on this one because it sounded incredible to be it was absolutely ridiculous um, and you know what the Reds didn't start well but our away crowd was absolutely brilliant um, for our half 12 kickoff, I was a little bit worried because everyone had to go from literally one end of England to all the way down the other uh, and I thought oh, it might be a dead game Monday night 8pm last season it was absolutely crap um, but we showed up and it was we were bouncing and we were crap but we were absolutely bouncing still we were trying our best uh, to get Liverpool to to basically wake up as much as we could um, and yeah it was it was boss being in there the, the oh come all you faithful is just unbelievable um, that had a, a lovely little ring to it um, and yeah I think we all thought we needed something um, to really wake us up and that's something was I use red guard and by the way he's an absolute idiot because Liverpool aren't scoring a goal if he stays on that football pitch <laughs> it's just that simple like we were appalling to be perfectly honest we couldn't break them down we were struggling uh, he gets a red card Harvey Elliott comes on and completely changes the game I think everyone at half time you were talking to and they were like we can't we can't hold the ball there's no one who's holding the ball on the half turn and dragging us up we couldn't get Gravenberg in the game and he's the person to do that um, and I thought maybe we need a gap and of the Nunes it turns out Harvey Elliott was the player we really needed uh, and those last 15 minutes were absolutely unbelievable um, and it t- it takes you back everyone was like Aston Villa 2019 yeah, and, Aston Villa, and everyone was like We've done this against Wolves. We've done it against Newcastle. We've now done it against Crystal Palace in, in a hard, tough game where we've not played well at all. It's the sign of champions. That's how champions win game, get, win cha- championships. They play crap, but they find a way. Uh, and Liverpool finds a way. And tell you what, I didn't care how long that coach was taken to get back to Liverpool. It was incredible. Should we do the, um, the red cards, by the way? I wasn't planning on doing it, but... I mean, Roy Hodgson was apoplectic. <laughs> Picked up a booking uh, for his response to it, Dan. Yeah. Um, 
I I think this, the the weekend football, and we'll do probably some more of this. will come up on the bias football mm. podcast, but it's been littered with loads of very literal refereeing decisions. I think this weekend, yeah. and I think that's one where in fact there was a comment here from someone. I'll find it in a second. Um, it's it's two they're, they're two yellow cards in fact there you go Yusuf here saying kicking the ball away uh, when uh, we're taking a free kick and stopping a counter attack one and two yellows it does but like a man you know I'm not complaining because it absolutely no. as Chloe says it totally it totally went to Liverpool's favour are you being sent off and he's a divvy for doing it but at the same time yeah, we're not complaining, and and sort of poignantly, neither was he. He just kind of took his medicine and wandered off. I mean, Roy Hodgson, you know, as you say, on the contrary, he was as fuming as that man can be these days, I would say. But I, I don't get the sort of the fallout from it. The commentary at the time were going, that's that's this, that's the other, like talking sort of poorly about the officiating in the game. And I was like, it's just silly. He stood in the way of us taking a quick free kick, and Virgil van Dijk has quite smartly wellied the ball at him from like a yard away and said, there's your yellow card, mate. But that's been in football for yeah. For Simon Morby, I see no issue with that whatsoever. Everyone knows that. Ayu yeah. knows that. And then the second one, to me, the foul itself may well be soft, but it's the way he's made the foul. Harvey Elliott is running, you mentioned it, on the half turn. He's running into a dangerous area. Jake it's a tactical foul. Yeah, it's a tactical foul. He's stopping an attack. They're bookings every day of the week and twice on a Sunday. So <laughs> I don't get the fallout. I mean, if we're really going to start nitpicking and making a big deal out of that type of thing, then there's been some heinous sort of every decisions this season. Like That's not even close. It didn't even come on the spectrum. Yeah. of what we've seen so far so I, I don't understand it personally it's, it's definitious for Liverpool fans stuff like that isn't it Chris when we're complaining about things like that yeah I, the thing that I found funny about it all was Roy Hodgson coming out and talking about Virgil van Dijk you know and, and, and sort of name checking him and saying like you know he, he doesn't he's think that was the right he's better yeah. than that yeah. he doesn't think that's the right thing to do see what's not the right thing to do blocking someone taking a free kick because you know what you're supposed to do get 10 yards you know what he didn't do get 10 yards that's it. but that's exactly the same in my eyes as a tactical foul and they're worth yellow cards. If you're stopping the team from moving the ball forwards when they're allowed to move the ball forwards, then that's a tactical foul, essentially. And a tactical foul is a yellow card. So there's nothing wrong with that. And also, Virgil van Dijk, what I think is really clever is he actually picks a Liverpool player out mm. as well. He doesn't just whack it at him. Yeah. He whacks it at him while he's trying to play it to a Liverpool player. And it was a bad pass. Like he wouldn't If <laughs> if, if I wasn't there, he'd never make that pass. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's covered his back there, hasn't he? He's got receipts. Um, and I doesn't, unfortunately for him. So, and the second one's definitely a yellow card yeah. as well I think I, I wasn't 100% sure when I watched it on the day watched it back loads of times now yeah no problem whatsoever get the decisions right against us and we'll maybe have something to say about it but you never get them right regardless so we'll take them yep. the other thing is is why are you being angry at, at the referee be angry at Ayu he's on a yellow card yeah. Dugo Shotter Silly. did this against Tottenham Hotspur away yeah. he got a yellow his first yellow is not a yellow card but you still don't be stupid enough to make the second foul yeah. that's just silly that's on you it's as like a, he's as a player exactly yeah. um, and it was only a minute two minutes I don't know how long it was it I don't care everything quick. went into one uh, it felt like their penalty was like seven minutes after their penalty that's obviously an exaggeration that's what it felt like but the thing is is Dugo Jota did it against Spurs and we all sat there and said yeah this first one's not a yellow but my god why, why are you doing that when you're on a when you're on a yellow already and it should be the exact same to Ayu when you're already on a yellow you can't make tactical fouls and stop people when they've got two down that flank overlapping them like you just can't do that because yeah. 
It's a nailed on yellow you know, card. You know the thing when Harvey Elliott on the floor, he still tries to kick the ball to Joe Gomez, yeah. which tells you what he believes was a great counter attack yeah. opportunity because yeah. otherwise he wouldn't bother with that. Mm. But he still tried to do it, which meant it was a really good chance for us. In case he plays the advantage or something, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. That I um, what did we think of the referee in total? I mean, he had hair, which stands him out markedly from sure. every other Premier League referee. I think he got the big decisions right. Yeah, um, oh, VAR helped him, like, but yeah. Well, well, to be fair, he went to the monitor every time, didn't he? VR was sending him over to the monitor. So I don't, I don't care what you say. How did it take him that long to figure out that was a foul on Matado and I'll never understand. No, 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 I can no, tell I, you, like, he's came to the right. correct decision, so that's all that matters. But I remember stood there and like it just felt like we stood there for five minutes waiting for him to mm. look. And apparently you he looked seen how many it. times he looked at it. It must have been... No, it was like 9,607 or something we counted. Are they panicking though about making wrong decisions and therefore taking time? Certainly when Liverpool involved but yeah. this is the interpretation thing every referee is doing it slightly different and that they're allowed to because the human beings not robots and I wonder whether because Gary Lineker did a big thing at the weekend on, on my today about like, like why are we trying so actively to rule goals out and so you've got referees who I think who are not letting the play develop and then you've got some who are and, and either using ref, um, VAR like the offside stuff of like linesmen aren't putting their flags up because what's the what's the point let it go in and then decide and then VAR can almost straighten it out afterwards and it felt a little bit like that mm. like he he's gone I'll let this go because VAR will, will tidy it up if it's wrong then they can where's that Palace have got a chance to score I don't know whether that's the, the right thing and he, I don't, honestly have no idea what's the right thing to do anymore if I'm being perfectly honest I, I said a few weeks ago until you can get 10 referees in, in separate rooms and show them the same thing and they come up with 10 decisions that are the same we're always going to have these problems because mm-hmm. there is just no consistency from referee to referee is mm-hmm. there and like why can't they just do that yeah, why can't they just train them like that these are the right things but, but, but the other way to go is like let's start giving stats to referees because I think actually that's one of the ways people get around it because if you could rank referees right so if they had cards like they've got people have got in FIFA and we knew their name was better because we know some of them we know the, the, the standout rubbish and the standout good so we know more referees than, than bad referees than good referees but if you like you know I've said this a few weeks ago like let's do some personal profiles on them but let's have it like like vision 20 you know what I mean or letting the play go 8 and so you know that this is the kind of guy who's gonna let, who's gonna rely on his VAR more often than not. So you get a shape of what mm. these guys look like, and again, you'll be more accepting of them as human beings. But it was the it was the way it was applied for me on the day. It was ultimately it was pretty much all spot on. But it was a new we had that new interpretation I'd never seen where the game just got stopped three minutes later <laughs> because they clearly we clearly conceded a penalty. Mm-hmm. The guy let it go, and then he got told right away right, the ball's not going out of play. Mate. It's just just. Just stop, stop it. it. And what we'll never know, because we said this in commentary, whether they added those three minutes on. It was, what, it was one minute 45, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but we will never know, you're right. No. But he went to look as well. So it was one minute 45 before they stopped play. And then he went to check the screen. So you had more time on there. And yeah. that in itself was mental. I didn't foresee that coming. I thought they were waiting for the ball to go out of play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's just how I always felt it worked. But you're right, at some point, I think Virgil van Dijk had it at centre-back. We were just knocking it about. And I think he thought, right, we need to, need to call a halt to this. But again, we spoke about it on Saturday, Chris. Like, they're quite happy to stop it there. But when Liverpool score a perfectly legitimate goal, there they stop the game mid-play then. Yeah. Six seconds. No, no it's, it's too, too late. Long. It's gone. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, come on. We've yeah. just we've just played two minutes for no reason. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. The other thing was I've never seen VAR like it before. Selhurst Park can rupture your eardrums with how loud their stuff is. And no one has a clue what's going on. And all of a sudden it's like I don't even know what kind of sound it is, but it's some mad sound and some weird person going, VAR, checking goal. And like everyone in our end was like like even though we'd just given away penalty we were all absolutely sobbing because we hmm. never like what what was like i can't even explain to you what this was but it was like a bubble sound and then some automated voice and i was just like i've never like, like, like siri this secure yeah. van is reversing I've, yeah i've never heard anything like it for var in any stadium i've ever been and it was mad amazing stuff love stuff like that um liam bento sent super chat in uh, who says um would referee accountability improve if referees has any post-match press conferences like players and answer for the in-match calls yes I mean like if nothing else I've said it before I think it'll just make people more angry but mm. uh, you know again at least there'll be no like guessing what was I thinking here's what I was th- here's what I was thinking I just thought I'm going to let this go because I thought it was I thought it was a close call and the play was going so I thought fine let's just let's just continue with it but it's mad that that again their penalty and the penalty, the, the goal, sorry, that's disallowed for Kai Havertz in the mm-hmm. in the in the Arsenal Villa game are mad because they're, they're both tiny little margins of someone making contact or whatever, and one was the referee letting it go and not seeing it, and then being mm-hmm. called back for it, and the other one was him seeing it and, go, and going with it. Again, human beings, aren't they? Um, just sometimes not great ones. Uh, right, not the game, Chloe for um, Darwin Nunes. I thought, unfortunately, and he's in. He's in a little bit of a, a, a dicey situation at the moment because, like, he's got Chris Page axe turned on him um, <laughs> and has done for a whole week now. Um, and it's, it's, well, he needs a goal, but unfortunately, I don't think either of those games this week were, were games for him. And that's a slight issue because, okay, you know, Erling Haaland goes games without scoring goals, but like, it'd be nice to have a centre forward he was so good that he could score against anyone really yeah he wasn't in the games at all um, in fact I think he was probably offside more than he actually made touches of the football um, and like there's there's no other way to say it is and they're infuriating offsides as well yes they are um, the thing is is at the end he, he comes over to the crowd and we sing his name we'd like get him behind and we're trying so like we know he's played poor we know he probably knows that as well and us trying to be boss Liverpool fans are trying to you know make him be like go on lad you know go at the next one it's it's Manchester United you've got this um but I am a little bit bored of him just missing big chances like I just am I am like the the one where the balls come over the top and it's not an easy chance don't get me wrong but if he just gets anything on it it's probably a goal um and yeah, it's tough to say because I feel like when Cody Gakpo came on, he was brilliant. Uh, and he's been brilliant the last couple of times he's came on the football pitch. So Darwin Nunes has now got to think about, he's got to get something to make sure he stays in the team. Um, especially with uh, against Manchester United because Cody Gakpo quite likes to play against them, doesn't he? Um, so yeah, it's not been a great week for Darwin Nunes. But... I could say that for pretty much all of the front three, if yeah. I'm being honest. I mean, Mo Salah, 200 goals, unbelievable. Gets his goal uh, and fair play to the referee. He played on in that moment, could have gave a penalty. Um, but Luis Diaz as well, not for me, not being brilliant either. He's 
unlucky with the offside just slightly offside but I could say about any of the front three and it's lucky that we've had other players who've came up trumps for us and scored massive goals it's interesting I want to pick on the, the lucky thread in two, in two seconds on that but just, just so Darwin doesn't end up with any senseless statistical slander uh, three times he was caught offside 20 touches Chloe so you know what I mean like, that's another couple of three times against that. the low block well done Darwin that's impressive <laughs> that is impressive yeah. uh, he's trying it though he's really going for it um, Dan th- th- that I've seen this a bit and I'm not, not to dig on Chloe on, on this in particular because I think it's kind of prevailing point that Liverpool are lucky with getting away with things or lucky lucky that we've got other players to score and mm. I think that I, I get what you're saying I'm not sure it, I'm not really sure it's luck um, it's it's a recruitment process bearing fruit yeah. as far as I'm concerned now you can rely less on shots from distance than you can rely on shots from inside the 18 yard box but has anyone read Paul Tompkins latest so he's done a big thing on this about how he thinks Liverpool are sort of switching their approach when it comes to shots from the edge of the box because statistically speaking he's at the end of it like 0.03% chance of going in but when you've got players who are just good at it Mm. the XG doesn't pick up on that so you've got more clubs who are defending deeper because they know clubs are moving towards getting the ball into the box and all of a sudden Liverpool are not being pressed on the edge of the box and it's opening up more shooting opportunities but Pulling that aside, I would recommend going and reading Tomkins Times, by the way, because he obviously explains that far better than I do. Um, but there's a point. We've got this weapon in our arsenal now, and Harvey's another one. Sobersly's got it. Curtis Jones has got it a little bit. McAllister's clearly got it. It's something we didn't have prior to this season. And yeah, you know, Harvey Elliott, it's a wonderful goal, but we've actually we've, we've had some good, we've borne great fruit from actually taking shots on like that this last week or so. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I was one of the the loudest bemoaners of our lack of shooting from distance previously. It felt like a lot of the time, people just criticised Arsenal for trying to pass it in. I don't think we ever quite got to them sort of heights, but there were times in recent seasons whereby we've got to the edge of the box and every avenue's closed down. We struggled against low blocks as well, a lot of the time yeah. as well, because there wasn't a space in behind for Mane and Salah to exploit. And Firmino dropping deep wasn't really working because of that. And you get to the edge of the box and you think, go on, it's it. And no one ever did. But now you're right, you mentioned some of the names there. You can include Trent Alexander-Arnold in yep. that, Ryan Gravenberg as well. We may not have seen the best of him doing it yet, but he paid a bit of a punch on for doing that at Ajax. So I think that will start to happen more and more. So yeah, I um, I don't attribute it to luck by any, any way, shape or form, really. I think it is just good recruitment. It's a different type of midfield we've now managed to establish. And I think I think we'll see more of it, to be honest. And when teams... We've, all, we've often sort of spoke glowingly about the attacking lads that we've got and the attacking options because we've said if they won't, if that one doesn't get you that one will and so on and so forth but when teams feel like they've got you because Salah's having a quiet day Diaz having a quiet day Nunes likewise and that has been the case for a week or so possibly even more teams will sort of generate a great sense of oh we've got this like we've got yeah. this nailed down don't worry about it and all of a sudden you've got Sir Bosley, Jones, Elliot whoever it may be running in taking shots you must think god we are, really are in trouble here you know and the thing with long shots is as well it doesn't necessarily have to be a worldly strike as we've seen like it just takes a deflection hits someone on the hand yeah. whatever it may be yeah. breaks nicely things happen just by having a go sometimes well, and Liverpool are doing that it can change the crowd it can change yeah. Uh, yeah, everything else that's yeah. going around it can't it and just especially like at, at Anfield obviously because that's where I've been watching the game so far this season when we're playing at home is like you just everyone gets a lift like come on like you know what I mean and then all of a sudden you feel like you're burning down on them and their, their defenders start to feel the pressure of it and all that type of stuff There's, I have not read the Tomkins time thing but it's always struck me as interesting the XG stuff 
And I've always, in my mind, I've gone, right, okay, so they compared every shot from that position, from every player in the in the top leagues, and here's your average. And I'm thinking, well, that's great, but Lionel Messi's not an average player. Yeah, and that's, mm. and that's, that's the easy way to think about it. It's literally exactly his point, is the, is the Messi thing. He's an XG buster. There's people who perform above such things. So It's still, the same with goalkeepers yeah. and where they save it and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it, it's great, but you, I don't think you should be comparing... Um, Premier League keepers to fucking League Four keepers. Yeah. Like you know, it's not you're not going to get a good average there. What you're going to get is something great for League Two players, yeah. maybe. You know what I mean? And and so I've always thought it was an interesting thing, the XG stuff. Well, that's it. You know, again, it, what what that does is that tells you that the Phil Jagielka got easy for me to say at Anfield in the derby has got the same likelihood of going in as Alexis McAllister's or or Endo's or Trent's or whatever. And it's simply not the case because the more technically proficient yeah. footballers but what what he what he's summarizing is football more football teams are jumping on the xg bandwagon and as a result they're treating it more gospel like you know across across the board so what they're saying is we'll just let teams have shots from there because that makes more sense because it's accepted that it's very, very difficult to score from there and liverpool were even doing that and actually got burned by it last season mm-hmm. so maybe Liverpool and again it's a hypothesis from Tomkins but he's, he's hypothesising that Liverpool are actually doing this is almost a knock on effect everyone's going oh well we need to defend our box better and we go okay cool we're just going to we're just going to pack the outside of the box with loads of guys who are, who are much better at doing that um, and, and also he says goalkeepers are not shot stoppers anymore they're all like these smaller ball playing Football, footballers yeah. instead so actually more of them are inclined to spill stuff or make stupid mistakes when they have yeah, shots and the, the, the follow on from that is what happens when you start scoring loads from outside the area defences have to start coming out too yeah, and yeah. that opens up the space in the area exactly. and it's constant back and forth between yeah. attack and defence isn't it yeah and, and, and that's great because we've actually got the players to do both which is a, which is a difference because last year or the years before that we never we had to get in behind we had to get players in and around the box because that's where all our attacking talent was our talent was on the two wings with the full backs and it was the three attackers Mm-hmm. every now and again Fabinho would come up with one and even rarely more rarely Jordan Henderson would come up with one Jeannie Van Alden sometimes you know but more of that was a lot of getting in the box arriving late more yeah, than yeah, yeah yeah interesting stuff anyway and again, again go, go and subscribe to Tomkins Times because he's much better at all this stuff than, than everyone um, Salah uh, Chloe touched upon 200 goals um, finally breaking that Jürgen Klopp revealed they've had this shirt with 200 on the back being carried around with them for two weeks and it honestly felt like most Salah's like it was last season's kit. Well, yeah, it's been that long. Fucking yeah. hell, that's what it felt like but to it, me. It feels like Salah's added on underneath. You know when that player's got a message and they're waiting to score so they can lift the shirt up and celebrate it. He feels like he's been desperate for that. And actually, I'm totally enamoured with the idea of it being one of the worst goals he's ever scored, being the goal that gets the 200. A, it shows he's a great goal scorer for a start because you get all kinds but also yeah fuck it just get it, get it out the way mate and crack on with your season yeah and not just that it was um, a massive goal uh, it might not be the most lovely goal on the eye but it was vital in Liverpool getting the three points and the fact that it's his 200th goal and he didn't even celebrate it he, he was very much get that ball get it on the halfway line and we go again uh, it shows you the, the maturity and the professionalism of my salary he's just broken another record for Liverpool um, and he, he doesn't even think twice to, to celebrate it he's more bothered about Liverpool 
Liverpool picking up the three points. Um, so yeah, it, it's boss to see. He's possibly one of the greatest footballers I've, I've ever seen just mm. in terms of stats. It's absolutely outrageous. Um, he is inevitable and I I know I don't want to bring it up, but if Liverpool somehow managed to lose him uh, in the summer, I, I, I don't know what to say because I don't think you can replace that lad. I just don't think you can at this moment in time. I think Liverpool need to find a way if he keeps up this scoring form um, to extend his contract by a year, two years, whatever it may be. Um, because let's be honest, Sadia always going to be there for him no matter what age he is because it feels like he can just go and go and go forever. Um, so yeah, an unbelievable footballer. Um, finally gets his 200th goal and hopefully he can get 203 this weekend. I think the Saudi Arabia thing is interesting. We were talking about this last right. week. Me is that I think a lot of the a lot of the pro- professionals who are sort of of a of a good age still will be looking at that going, nah, fuck that. Like, have you seen it? Mm. Yeah. Gabby Vega was, was the example it, we yeah, used. Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was the unknown, you know, and it's it, you know everyone's going over there. It's going to be boss now. They look at it and I reckon they're going. No. Well, they've got I mates over there all of a sudden, haven't they? And it'll be little, little, like, little messages or WhatsApp. <laughs> 600 fans. Yeah. I've traded Anfield for this. You've seen the status in the kip of this training gear. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I think, I think, I do think that's a, that's a point. Yeah. Salah's now one of only five men to score 200 goals for Liverpool Football Club. Um, he was already fifth in our all time top goal scorers list, uh, but he's 28 behind Billy Little. He's 41 behind Gordon Hodgson. He's 185 um, behind Roger Hunt, and he's 143 uh, behind him. Rush. That was a good match. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Right. He's sounded confident. No, no, no. It was yeah, I was until I started to question what I'd said this one before. I was like, did I say 185? Um like Ian Rush is far and away over the hill and and, and gone, I would mm. suggest. But look, there's gonna there will come a question, Chris, at some point with Salah, and it will be what do you want to do next? You know, what? where do you want to go with your career? And, it, you know, we've mentioned the Saudi Arabia thing. I don't think that, all of a sudden, I actually don't think that's as nailed on as it looked in the summer. I was, I was totally convinced that this was his last season for Liverpool. The, I, I think the case of him staying gets stronger the more, just the more games he plays for us and the more goals he scores. Because and the more p- competitive Liverpool come once again. Yeah. Because that's, why that's would, what it comes down to. Why would you want to trade being at the pinnacle of football, potentially winning it all, being the main man for Liverpool Football Club, to then go and trade it to play in a league where winning means absolutely nothing. Like, it, it's not as enjoyable. You can play at the toppest level in, in football here. Um, and if you can continue to win, I, I think that's the only thing. I think even, you know, I, I thought it was his last season for Liverpool, but there was always something in me that thought, Shh, it's Mo Salah. He, he strives to be the best. Mm, yeah. Like, Erlen Haaland's came in and he still is going to, in his mind, think, okay, well, if I'm not getting the top goal scorer, I'm getting the top assister, or I'm doing this, or I'm going to make someone, you know, have a run for the money. Um, and I think the competitiveness was always there for me to think, but would he really give all of this up when he's still at the top of his game to go to a league where you can literally walk about a football pitch and pass a ball in the back of the net? And that, I think, the, the more... Liverpool get competitive and potentially win titles and, you know, get back in the Champions League and stuff, the more Mo Salah is surely inclined to think, no, I'm staying at the top. He's likely to get to about 215 by the end of the season, I would suggest. He's got 14 so far, you know, 215 to 220 potentially. You know, if he gets around the 30 goal mark, um, which is... (laughs) 
behind Billy Little, but it puts that very much. It puts Billy Little and Gordon Hodgson, I think, right in his sights with another season under his belt. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes one of those things where then you get there and then Roger Hunt's probably in your sight at that point. And then, you know, again, Ian Rush yeah. is just a <laughs> goal-scoring freak, isn't he? Um, but I really don't know. And it, again, it comes down to like who, who's out there, who's going to offer him the challenge. Because that might, that might be a point as well. Let's say Liverpool win the league this season. Mo Salah might just think... I've done all I'm going to do here in terms of what I'm, I might want to go and experience Spain or I might mm-hmm. want to go and experience another league. But it is 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 that offer going to be forthcoming? You know, is there going to be our Real Madrid going to be knocking on Liverpool's door or Barcelona? And then if Barcelona can do it, can't even afford them if that was the question. And that's yeah. where part of this problem comes from is who can afford Mohamed Salah and who are also at a level that's going to test his ambitions. Well, that, I think that's that, that's probably the, the pertinent point, isn't it? It's that... When it, when it, the thing that's always frustrated me about players going when Suarez was linked with Arsenal, I was like, yeah, that's great. You won Champions League football, but six games in the Champions League's not going to do anything really in the yeah. grand scheme of things before you get knocked out. Whereas when Liverpool get back in the Champions League with Jurgen Klopp in charge, I think he knows that's as good a place as any in Europe as trying to get to a final and win the competition. Yeah. Now it might not happen. Don't get me wrong, but you know, apart from us in Real Madrid, how many teams have been to a couple of European finals or three European finals over the last? five years you know it. he's at the right place for yes. getting there mm-hmm. and it's probably not going to be Real Madrid is it they're going to be looking for, for somebody like him mm-hmm. so stay at Liverpool win the league this season get a treble and get yourself in the Champions League next season sound innit yeah, yeah. Suits, suits is a one thing in all of this and I, I've I've shifted my outlook on it ever so slightly over the past few weeks months whatever it may be because I was with you guys by the sounds of it in terms of I was almost certain he was going to leave at the end of the season because it just felt so inevitable given what went on in the summer and all sort of the mood music around that but now for me I'm looking at the football club side of things opposed to Mohamed Salah because I tend to agree with you I think Salah will want to stick around they want to break more records win more trophies at the very top of the game however Liverpool have got a huge decision to make because 12 months left on his deal do you give him a new contract does that new contract have to be improved again you can't let him leave for free you just cannot let him leave for free Liverpool Football Club as a business is a disgusting conversation to have yeah. but unfortunately it's one that needs to be had at some point you can't let somebody who's worth that much when you walk away for nothing which yeah. is not possible yeah. the way we run our football club that just doesn't exist he's, so it's- he's the top end of the football club by some way as mm. well and look I think we can all sit here and say I look at him and go as a physical specimen I can't see how he won't go on for another two or three years at that level his game's adapting this year which I think is was going to be interesting to this and our Liverpool but do Liverpool continue to adapt to Mo Salah changing or do you reach a point where you've got to do something a little bit different that'll certainly be a question on it you're right the potential windfall of cashing in on a Salah balanced against well how do you replace 30 plus 30 goals and 15 to 20 assists a season answer is you're not doing that with one with one no matter how much money you're bringing on Salah you're not replacing that with one guy you're going to have to do something different either way and yeah you know but the, and the other thing is the sports science that we're not privy to so we're saying Salah's going on but I must admit I did also equally have my first inkling over this last three weeks when I've looked at him and gone is, is this Salah now? You know, like he's not fast anymore. He's not slow, but he's not he's not lightning quick anymore. No. He does is starting to look a little jaded in his performances. He's had these spells in recent seasons, I think, though, and all of a sudden yeah. he snapped out of it. I think he had one when he came back from Afcon a little well, while ago. And I that's a factor. Do you think as well. Afcon might be might be a little factor in this because that's probably his big last hurrah 
and I mean, look again, like Rigobert song, I think played in Afghans till he was forty or whatever. But you know, so it's it's possible. But this will be the last, might be the last Afcon when he's absolutely guaranteedly maybe there about the toughest part. I don't know whether that's one. Eye, he's got one eye on that because it's only a, a month, less than a month away. Pretty busy much for him. Mm. Might he be keeping something in reserve to make sure he's got that to go to? I don't, don't know anyone. I it wouldn't surprise me if somebody he's got the weight of his nation on his shoulders, hasn't he? So he wants to be fit for it and stuff like that. I don't think that's what it is. I think I think your sort of take was probably a bit closer to the truth, to be honest. I've had those inklings myself about I just don't think his all round game is he's just not in form. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, he's still having an impact on the match because Mo Salah's still Mo Salah and teams still need to defend him exactly the same on the off chance that he puts in a Mo Salah performance. Um, and he can still have big, important goals and get the assists and stuff. But the whole team's changed around him as well. You know, the midfield, as we've spoken about so often, has, has changed massively. The attack's completely different to how it used to be. Um, so it, it, it's a period of adaptation for everybody. And, you know, it's probably a bit easier for, for somebody maybe like a a trend whose position has changed and they're doing it themselves whereas how people interact with Salah's changed and then he needs to find his groove in, in all of that but I, I you know fitness wise I've got no concerns whatsoever um, I agree with you I don't think he is as fast as he was I don't think his shooting's as good as it used to be either to be honest with you but he's also got the ability to just go through a purple patch and knock everything in for 10 games yeah he's got 22 combined goals and assists, which is basically a goal and an assist every time he's taken to the field. Mental that we're even talking about it. When yeah, you're yeah, 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 absolutely. Long <laughs> may it continue for Mohamed Salah, I think is the short answer on all of that. But yeah, it is interesting. I say it's mad that the, 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 the dynamic of this seems to have shifted. Again, I think most of us would have said, ah, that's it. the lore of, that, of the Saudi Pro League will have taken him, but then all of a sudden we're looking at the lore of Saudi Pro League and it's it's very monorail episode of The Simpsons for me. You know, <laughs> except that, you know, like the second people around now, you know, it's done a lap and it's all, all, the, all, all the stuff's gone on it and then you, you're ringing up Leonard Nimoy and going, how was that? And he's going, nope. <laughs> no, no, no. Absolutely horrendous. Um, right. So, uh, look, let's get back into the, the game itself. Then a couple of the performances before we move on. Uh, Curtis Jones grabbed the assist, which is great. Also would have got a penalty quite mm. clearly because he was absolutely scythed down. Um, I think if we combine him with Elliot, Chris, yeah. because they're the two subs, they're the lads who've been at the club the longest and the most integrated into what Liverpool do. But right now, and it's something you've been kind of keen to bring up, I think, on on whether it's podcast or pre-match content, if there's a pecking order, it feels like both of those are down the pecking order at the moment. It feels like Sobers like Gravenberch and even potentially, you know, McAllister could be above these lads. Um, well, you know, and that's what having a squad does to, to these players who believe that they've got a chance. And I think that's I think that's important. I think if you go into games and you, no matter how well you perform and you think you're behind somebody else, you're not actually going to be at it. But if you think you've got a chance to get into the sides, maybe slightly different for those two lads being absolute Liverpool fans, by the way. Yeah. Um, but they do think that they can get into it. They, you know, they'll probably both maybe get a game. Maybe one of them will get a game midweek this week. They were absolutely superb, man. And we were talking about it after the game, then, weren't we? Like, Elliot's ability to find space mm-hmm. 
when nobody else could find space in the final third at the weekend was outstanding. Like, like he sits there and watches the game and goes, that's the area that I'm going to target. It's funny, you used to talk to me about this because you had a few seasons with your season ticket behind the dugout and you often at the end, I'd get like your match reports on who was on the bench and what they were doing. And you'd always talk about like how Balotelli was just a dick and wouldn't pay attention to the he game. just fucking throwing chewies at people on the other bench and it's like just not watching the game. Yeah. In fury, the living daylight out of it's it. not liking me for that. It's very no. <laughs> completely out of character you know what you've shocked me he wasn't throwing lip fireworks but equally I also said once I think Andre Wisdom could be a future captain of this football club because he, he Raheem Sterling was on the bench one time and he like jammed him with like the, the singing stand up like that and like you'll never good. walk alone or yeah. I can't remember what it was or, or something like that and like so and he'd be one of those ones watching the game and stuff mm. now he's unfortunately his skill set probably let him down there well he was, he was he was his a, attitude was I watched him at Warrington the other week yeah really yeah, yeah. I watched him play for Warrington the other week they won he played ice and so after good. okay I, um, but yeah Solskjaer was known for watching the game and looking at someone and, and uh, there's an interview that I saw with Solskjaer years ago um, and he was like I remember coming into this game and I watched the fella he was limping I was thinking I can get at him and all that type of stuff and that's what I get with like Harvey yeah, Elliott yeah, I agree on that I um, the big question Chloe is then is this now time for Elliott to start games because I think if we had this conversation three weeks ago everyone would have automatically gone no because it means was like coming out of the team whereas actually all of a sudden a couple of weeks now running I think he's plateaued a touch and maybe that's fitness I was talking to my dad about it yesterday his take on it is that he's gone so hard with Hungary as well you know he's trying to get them to the Euros and he's done that and there's a bit of like your you new club you're throwing your adrenaline at, at the situation and then once you've reached that little goal you've then got to recuperate and come back again whereas Elliot just feels like yeah he's he's ready like he looks like a man who should be starting games for them but, or do you just think he's, we should keep him as this 12th man super sub thing well it's it kind of reminds me of Diego Jota when he first signed for Liverpool and everyone was like you get more out of him when he actually comes off the subs bench yeah. and I think a lot of people are maybe thinking that about Harvey Elliott because every time he's came off the bench he's had a hunger had a desire and he's put his, his foot on the game and actually he's been brilliant every time I've seen him to be honest I think he deserves to start I think Sabo is, is not I mean, he got the goal and his goal's brilliant against Sheffield United. But I just think he's a, he's running out of steam a little bit and it actually might do him a favour, giving him 70 minutes rest and then bring him on with 20 to go. Yeah. And you might actually... Competitiveness really helps. Yeah. And if he's seeing Harvey Elliott take his place, he's thinking to himself... Wait there, I'm the captain of Hungary. I've came in, I've played unbelievable. I need to I need to get back to it. Um and hopefully that's a, a good kind of competitiveness we can keep in the team. I it's it's hard to say because it's it's Manchester United. Um and it's it's a massive, massive game. Um and also with Union St. Galois uh, on Thursday that's a game that you'd pretty much nailed on Harvey start um, so it's hard to say but I think he deserves to start I really do I think Sabo deserves a little bit of a rest like you mentioned there unlike some players and, and even Virgil van Dijk who's only had maybe 10 minutes 20 minutes half an hour off uh, for the Netherlands Sabo's had nothing Sabo mm-hmm. has their captain he's gone and gone and gone again mm-hmm. so maybe a little rest for him would be good the only problem is it's Manchester United and um, and 
What's the problem with that? It's it, it's it's not a problem. I just in my head I, I'd start sobersliding against Manchester United. Um, I mean Harvey Elliott's a, a why, Liverpool why, fan, so why? actually might because I just think he's in our best eleven. That's the only thing in a best eleven on their day. He is in that for me. Um, and also, look, I know Harvey Elliott's work rate is, is unbelievable uh, when he comes on the pitch, but still, I feel like Sobo. If you could tell him to kind of stay back a little bit more, let if Ryan Gravenberch does play him go a bit more forward um, then that might help us out a bit I don't know I'm saying this and I think Manchester United's crap but in my head Manchester United at Anfield is not an easy game when it should be it's not and I think I think maybe I'm doing what I say the Liverpool players do and play the occasion instead of just playing the team that is going to win well listen because I'm interested to know what you think about a midfield of Scott McTominay and uh, Sofian Amrabat that means that Harvey Elliott can't start (laughs) it's just it's It's just Manchester United that's the only thing um, if he started I'd actually enjoy it though to be perfectly honest yeah. I, I'm the same you know just on a very last point there I think if Harvey Elliott starts any game of football now for the football club I don't think anyone should have an issue with that based yeah. on what he did at the start of last season and based on what he's done albeit predominantly in cameo roles this year I, I've been so so impressed with him likewise at the weekend I thought he was outstanding agree me and Chris spent a lot of time speaking about Elliott on the weekend his ability to sort of exploit weaknesses in the opposition and sort of run at tired legs I think that's a huge facet yeah. and a huge reason and why he's getting so much joy because defenders have had to put up with Sobberslide, Trent, Salah, etc., etc., for 60, 70 minutes. And Elliot's coming in and going, Hey, you thought that was hard? Wait till you see what I've got to bring. Yeah. So, love all that. The Sobberslide stuff's interesting. I agree with all the points on Hungary. I think it's definitely sort of taking something out of his legs. I think his, his work rate and his desire hasn't really wavered for me I think he's still mm-hmm. doing all that stuff he's winning the ball back Sheffield loads United's second half was big for yeah. that yeah massive and he's doing all that type of stuff he's everywhere still all the stuff we were praising him for at the start of the season about getting into, into people's faces running back and making challenges he's doing all that what he's lacking all of a sudden is his quality when he's got the ball and I wonder if that's a knock on effect of just being pretty exhausted and pretty knackered so he's doing all the running and when he gets it he's like god I'm off I'm off fucking cooked here like I can't do anything with it so maybe Maybe there is a conversation around him. However, I do fall down with Chloe in so much as because it's Man United, because it's Arsenal coming up at Anfield. Huge games, massive significance, not only in the opposition, but in sort of the league and where we're at. And again, that's not to say Harvey Elliott can't start because he can, but because of the Union game, that's also a span him in this works because Harvey Elliott just starts that and Sabozlai probably doesn't leave John Lennon Airport. So that's Mm. how I'd go with it. So we're saying we don't think Elliott's good enough to start for Liverpool. No, yeah. Elliot's definitely good enough to start and yeah. neither of them said that. Um, Cheers, Chris. No problem. Um, <laughs> so in form, Harvey Elliott isn't good enough to start against over out, for, out of form, Dominic Sabozlai. I'm not sure he's out of form. I think that's a bit... I think that's a bit yeah, I, I think everyone seems to be saying he's out of, out of form mm. and I think that's wrong. I think mm. he's just not having as much impact in the final third yeah. Um, and yet he still scored midweek, so maybe he is. Yeah. Um, his, de- his defensive work, like Dan said there, has been absolutely superb all season long and stuff. Um, for me, Elliot's physicality is unfortunately what probably lets him down the most and I include his speed and his physicality and I think that's what Dan was alluding to before at the 70 minutes thing is um, his technical ability is far superior to most players that he's going to come up against yeah. but he's not as strong and he's not as quick so at 70 minutes coming into a game he makes them look shite yeah. mm. I think it's again, and again 10 man you know more space to more space to exploit yeah, and true. he did it brilliantly as well he's done a lot this I, 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 honestly I'm, I, where I'm at I'd be I, 
would be absolutely made up to see Harvey Elliott start against Manchester United because I think he's earned it and it'd be one, it would be an interesting one to see whether they do that or not. We'll talk about the RSG team in part two, of course, but um, it's Man United. Now, Arsenal is a different question, but I think if you could play Harvey Elliott at the weekend against United and he has a good game, then you've actually got a really interesting conversation to have around Arsenal because I think I want I want to see. Sober's life feels like he's in almost by default and look, that's never the case because Jürgen judges off training and all the other things that kind of go into it but there is something too Curtis and Harvey do know what they're, what's expected of them Gravenberg is still as looked as shone when he's shone but Brian shines brightly but shortly in terms of his fitness but also we've been having conversations a lot about this because of how well he how well he integrates on the yeah. left hand side how well he impacts what positively or negatively impacts Diaz's performances and obviously with Simicast over there whereas it'd be, it'd be something too Manchester United and you said as you throw in two absolute Liverpool fans into that team would be um, would, would just, certainly be just quickly on that we spoke about the Jones factor on Sabozlai's game as well at the weekend and just how much balance he offers and he allows Sabozlai to exploit more areas and sort of express himself a little bit more because I think Gravenberg and Sabozlai are quite similar in the way they want to play the game and that's very front foot now Curtis Jones is but he's managed to sort of temper that because he knows that's what Jurgen Klopp wants for him he's doing a very wine out of the mess goal I'm not the first to say that I'm aware but that is an interesting conversation especially coming up for Sunday yeah, there's a bit. There's a Genie Wine album's best bits DVD in the archive at, at the AXA that he's had checked out, and they can't look at it because he's got it in his. He's got loads of like fees on it, and they're like, oh, "Genie not in it. Can you go and study some more Genie Wine album? The DVD's still out, boss. I haven't got it. Who's got it? Guess John. CJ, check it out. I'll bring that in tomorrow, boss. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, just briefly, uh, I thought Joe Gomez was absolutely fantastic yeah. as well. We're starting to have some real questions. And I, what I thought was most interesting, Chris, was for all the talk about Trent needs to play in midfield, we might not be far off a question of uh, or, or a point that Joe Gomez needs to play right back for us. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, he just provided so much width and so much impetus down that right-hand side that we looked a completely different proposition when he came on in the second half. And he's continued to do this. And I think... Everyone that I speak to really rates Gomez in an attacking sense. I think the general sort of feeling is that no one really thinks he's very good in an attacking sense. But I don't ever speak to anyone that says that. Yeah, and I, they, they all think no, he's but he's bought. He's got a good. So he gets fifteen there. fucking assists a season, so yeah. everyone falls woefully short of that. But I was thinking from like the Kyle Walker perspective of like that type of right back where he's got the pace, he's really solid defensively, and he's again it's a down with faint praise functionally excellent I think in the final third but not technically not technically super yeah, but, but he, I don't think you need to he, be he asks question marks to the fellow that he's come up against as well because sorry question marks he's, he's so fit <laughs> and he's able to go and obviously for 45 minutes he can get up and down that wing but that makes it incredibly difficult for anyone playing against him and you know that that is one thing that I think when Trent used to play on the right hand side for us in the old system you would be tearing their left back, left winger back mm-hmm. all game. And a consequence of that is they never really used to get over the top that often. Mm-hmm. Now, because of the way it is, they're, they're, their left winger doesn't have to run back and defend like a left back. So they just stand up and they get, I think we're actually getting attacked more down the left this season than last because their left winger's nowhere near as tired, having to worry about Trent going forwards because yeah. he just goes into the middle instead. Mm-hmm. So they just keep their sort of system in the same place. There whereas is... Joe's doing that and he's causing it havoc by doing that. And there's just a thing as well, Chloe, we've got no Robbo on the other side doing that. True. So actually, 
if you've got two fullbacks who who want to be deep mid deep line wide midfielders effectively, it does limit you. So Gomez is a real breath of fresh air down that side for us. And uh, I just yeah, I, I'm not I'm just totally not against the idea of playing more Gomez right back because I think he's a he's got all the assets to be an absolutely terrific one. Yeah, um, he, he was really really good against Palace. I think obviously it's his ball in that Casey Strange managed to bring down. Should have won a penalty. Mo Salah scores from it, um, but it was it was there's there's so many good things about Joe Gomez. Um, Gakpo. It was Gakpo. They linked up though. You've been um, so yeah, but we got loads of joy down that right hand side, and maybe it was because we had an overload, didn't we? We had Harvey Elliott, we had Gakpo, and we had Gomez all there, um, and he got some stick in midweek, didn't he, against Sheffield United? He didn't have his greatest Left game. He, I think it's he basically takes too long on the ball, which causes Kelleher to make an unbelievable save. I think it was in that first yeah, half, right. uh, and there was a little he tries to creep his man on the halfway line. Yeah, is what that's he, not too bad But now I like him in that position, and I'd like to see him in that position because it means Trent couldn't move further up the pitch. The problem I have is um, Matip's now injured, and he will be out for the entire season. I cannot rely on Canate as much as I'd love to say I can. I just can't because he'll probably get injured in a couple of games time. Um, and Quanta, I do like, but I, I just feel like you, at times you might need Gomez to be the number one centre half if Canate is yeah. not fit. Um, and if you're playing him at right back and you're telling him to go game in, game out, he also doesn't have the greatest injury record to then be able to just instantly go back to centre half and keep playing. Um, so yeah, that's my only worry with it. I think he's he's doing boss as a, as an out and out right back. Yeah. Uh, Leicester was an inverted, but we're all linking him to Trent, and and Trent's just the best at it. Absolutely. Um, I'll um, just jump in. I think I think the right back thing is is interesting and in, in terms of how he plays and in terms of what Liverpool are doing with it. Yeah. I think mm. it's an interesting conversation to around matter, which we'll do in part two. But just lastly, then Dan, uh, top of the table with. Manchester United and Arsenal to come before yeah. Christmas Day. You know, I know Liverpool aren't, aren't great at being top at Christmas and then ultimately mm-hmm. going on and winning the league. But given that more often than not, the team that does it, apart from when we are there, uh, has to be top to, to win it. Um, yeah, you really, we need, we need to be. Because everyone else who's top at Christmas Day goes on and wins it. So we have to stop someone else being at it and yeah. then trust that we can get ourselves over the line, you know? Yeah, we can try and book that particular trend, can't we? Um, <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, we need to be. And, you know, when you look at where we found ourselves, I want to say that might be doing ourselves a disservice but we found ourselves I don't think we've really got our first gear yeah it's fair to say yeah. certainly in some games but yeah we, we're top of the league and with the fixtures coming up United and Arsenal at home in the league of course then yeah let's be top of the table at Christmas because both at Anfield you know winnable games certainly first up you know a chance to sort of kick some more dirt in their faces will be will be absolutely delightful potentially get another Man United manager sacked as well at the weekend that would also be delightful that would be the third oh. I think in recent memory so Yes. Yeah, that'd be sweet. But yeah, like I say, Liverpool. And also, what I'm waiting for, I, I've said this to a few people over the weekend, like, I'm so, so optimistic about what we're doing at the moment. And that's such an easy thing to say because, yes, we're top of the league, we're through in the Cups, etc., etc. But it's because we're not playing well. And that's really exciting to me because I know what Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp do and we're not very good for a bit and all of a sudden things do click into gear and it hasn't yet if we were sort of swashbuckling and knocking everyone aside with ease I'd be going this might be it but it's not we're a bit crap and yet still we are where we are <laughs> so if we suddenly start playing well ideally starting this Sunday Thursday give or take then great you know what I mean so it's really exciting and 
we got key players missing. We had adversity this season, down to 10 men half the season, you know, goals disallowed, stupid stuff. Robertson, one of our key, key left backs gone. Allison missing for a few games, and yet still, we are where we are. So let's just go and do it. Just, I got it up because it was an interesting um, thing to check out the home, home and away tables. So, in terms of the home table so far, we've only played seven at Anfield. So, Villa are top of the home table, as I'm sure we'd all come to expect. Yeah. We've, we've been battered with that information <laughs> yeah. for weeks now. Um, they've got uh, 20. 24 points, uh, won all eight so far, but Liverpool have won all seven at Anfield so far, so we're three behind them in that regard, but with a game, effectively a game in hand. Um, the away table, we're currently third in the away table on goal difference. Um, we Arsenal have got one more game to play away from home in that mm-hmm. in that regard, but at the moment, 16 points for City, 16 for Arsenal, 16 for Liverpool in the away table so far. And, you know, I remember saying this two or three weeks ago when we were discussing this for Liverpool, Chris, is that but I think Dan actually summed it up perfectly is that I don't feel like this is all within Liverpool's sphere of influence I don't feel like we're this awesome like well-oiled machine that's just going to dominate and crush the life out of the Premier League and all that kind of stuff um, because it feels like there's loads more improvement to do but yet here we are sat top of the pile and right at the top of both the form tables in both home and away like it doesn't actually get much better it shouldn't get much better but I could foresee a world where it actually does get much better well yeah I mean I don't I think that Liverpool will start to perform better in games but the big thing for me with Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp is that everything has an influence in some way shape or form and you know just winning games with Jurgen might just be enough for us to just continue to get better it might just be that sort of boost that we need like I, I'm we're half shit half the time and we're, and we're brilliant half the time and, and we're looking around going if you are all just going to be shit you don't mind if we just take this big trophy home with us do you because yeah, we'll happily yeah. have it again yeah, we yeah. want another one of these bad boys and I just think the confidence of being top and, and just being on the journey as a player and thinking fucking hell we're the best in the, in the league already and we're not even anywhere near what we're, what we what our full strength at Liverpool is. That we could just hit a new stratosphere at some point in this season because of everything. I'm looking around, going, "This is I. I think this is our season. I do. I think this is oh, our God. league title. I do. I don't give a shit. I don't care if anyone on the internet doesn't agree with me or not. It. Like you know what I mean? Liverpool. I've been saying this for weeks. I, I think this is this is one of those teams where you just look at it and go, "There's something about this Liverpool side." There's something about it, mate. Yeah. Chloe? Um, um, okay. The away teams that we've played as well uh, are massive. Yes, I, you look at our remaining away fixtures, and to be honest, there, there isn't any major ones. I think obviously yeah, Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah. Um, but we've played City, we've played Newcastle. Villa. Villa's, Villa's the massive one, yeah. Let's <laughs> not forget about there's, them. There's a defeat. Um, <laughs> Villa's like the, the, the penultimate game, isn't it? So, so it's either yeah. going to matter or it's, or it's yeah. you know, they'll either yeah. be done and dusted by then, or it'll be. A we need the league, ra- league wrapped up by then. Yes. But. <laughs> If you actually look at our away fixtures, we've got the majority of the hard ones out the way with a, a couple here and there. Um, so the away fixtures and look, it's it's one of them where Liverpool somehow every time I I watch them, it feels like we do great against the the top six and the those kinds of teams. But then it's the other teams that let us down sometimes. 
Um, but the away fixtures don't look horrific because we've already got yeah. through a lot of them. Well, that's it. You know, the top current top seven uh, in the Premier League, I, and I've said seven. Just in fact, I'll do eight because it brings Brighton into it. Um, it's fair enough. You know, we've got yes, we'll have to play Arsenal away. After we've obviously got them at home to yeah. come. We've got Villa away as well, but we've played City, we've played Tottenham. We'll have Man United away. That'll be a thing. But Newcastle and Brighton as well done. So yeah. it's it's a it's a it's decent. It's decent if not you know perfect. But then it can't be because you can't play everyone away. Oh, the first half of the season. It's just not how it, not how it works. Um, but we've come up, up with you know we come up with the goods so far. So I'm yeah really 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 pleased with everything there's um, also Everton in there I forgot about that one but it's not it's not really a way yeah um, yeah fine uh, how's everyone it's else the feeling because it is it's an odd one it does feel like we've just kind of like stum- we've stumbled imagine into being what the position we'll be in the league if we'd sign Casado or Lavia no. by the way 12th I think down, yeah. 12th <laughs> might be the answer to that <laughs> yeah absolutely without a recognised DM although we have obviously got one because <laughs> he scored a goal that helped us win a game the other day I forgot that he's at the AFCON so if he becomes like I, I got told yeah, I saw this also on Mataro Endo Asian, Asian Cup that's yeah. it Um same time as Mel, I think. Yeah, but if he becomes like a, a big part of our team, that's actually something that I'm a, a little bit worried about, actually. Good job Trent's playing in midfield now, right? Um, but Jetta should be back by then. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hope so. Uh, right, do a couple of super chats before we take a break. Craig Tebbs sent this in early doors. It's some week, top of the league, and got my new Redmen 7 up Christmas jumper to wear on the football club night out with all United fans. <laughs> Happy Christmas, <laughs> all. Yes, sensational. Sensational. Uh, Stevie Ray, Jay says, how are we Harvey will tear the right set up against United not to mention his passion for the badges needed in a match of this magnitude uh, watching from Long Island up the Reds uh, presumably like the actual place not, not like a drink yeah, yeah not just, I assume he's having yeah. an iced tea though, sloshed <laughs> at, this, at this given point right cool uh, yeah when we return we're going to be talking about how Liverpool handled Joe Matip with regards to the January transfer window uh, I'm looking ahead to USG as well see you in a sec Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, welcome back. Um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us on the show so far. Don't forget to get over to RedmanPlus.com and sign up. So many amazing things still to be given away. This festive period, the signed Chris Kirkland glove, uh, uh, the programme with Jamie Carragher's signature on it, the signed their kite shirts and the signed Ibu Canati shirts, as well as a whole bunch of other boss little goodies. And while I'm here, this has only just dropped today, so we haven't prepared an advert as good as the three of you all hugging each other and Chris wearing uh, one of the jumpers like a sarong. Um <laughs> Uh, Harvey Elliott's Christmas jumper's dropped. Yes, look, you've got three days basically to get one ordered because the UK guaranteed Christmas delivery date is the 14th of December. Um, but we thought it was just too good a moment not um, not to get out there. So yeah, if you head to redmenmerch.com, uh, yeah, you can fill your boots with a little bit of Harvey. Uh, come let us adore them. Uh, 
goodness as well wonderful wonderful stuff um, Chris wouldn't let me put a Dragon Ball Z reference on there so um, I it, thought it he was doing a Doku or choice, whatever it was called choice. a what a Bendoku no, what, what was it Ryu a Doku yeah I thought he was doing that yeah um, right cool uh, let's move on yeah go to redmanmerch.com three days left to get any of our fine selection of uh, Christmas related wares uh, guaranteed in time for Kimbo so Chris Pajach Joel Matip out for the season yep. um, I thought it was good first and foremost that Jürgen Klopp kind of said without 100% guaranteeing it that Liverpool will, will do the right He's thing put by some him. pressure there on and the owners and I, yeah. and I, and I like that yeah. from him to be honest because I didn't think they would do um, but now I don't think they've really got too much of a choice in the matter it's over to you John um, <laughs> sort it out for Joel and I, I honestly I thought that what would happen is they'd basically let him use the facilities at Anfield to get himself back uh, sorry Kirby to get himself back up to scratch and use the coaches and everything else but it does sound like they're going to make a, an offer for him and that'll be good um, it's obviously it, it harks back to this means more to me and it, it not just being a business all of the time and you know it's it's crumbs we're living on nowadays I think from that to be honest but it's a welcome crumb yeah it's I think it, it'll probably be something Chloe like a rolling contract I'd imagine you know where you just pay him you pay him month by month and when he's fit you then got a decision whether he wants to stay and Liverpool might offer him again because I, I was saying this at the weekend I think it was the weekend that it's an interesting situation for Liverpool because right now, he well, up until his injury, he was Liverpool's other first-choice centre-half. I think the idea of him is to be fourth-choice, but he's been so good, he's worked his way up there. You've got If he gets back to fitness, you get to analyse him in a year's time, maybe, and see where he's at. And there may be a, a worth in giving Joel, Joel Matip a new contract in a year's time and just have him keep him around, you know, cashing on good feelings and all that. Um, but I... Yeah. You can't get away from it right now that it's it's a huge blow. I mean, he's a he's a brilliant footballer. Everyone absolutely adores him. And this whole being in the team on merit thing is great for him, but it's actually bad for Liverpool because Canate's not got ahead of him in the pecking order. Joe Gomez hasn't got ahead of him in the pecking order. And yet now they're having to be ahead of him, which in theory means our defence is not as good as it was with Matt up there. Yeah, uh, he had a brilliant start to the season. And I think, you know, as soon as you say it, I go back to the Spurs moment where he accidentally puts it in his own net, but actually he's probably mad at the match that day yeah. somehow. Um, yeah, he's been superb for Liverpool. And on his day, we all know he's an unbelievable centre-half. He's brilliant and not just offensively, it's the fact he can do what I think Canate can't do and that's step up and that's literally take us from one end of the pitch mm. to the complete other um, and he, I think he in one stride yeah, yeah <laughs> but he, he leaves so much space for other players because he's he's brought so many players to him that it's usually just yeah I'll take about 10 yards here and pass it off to Mo but Mo will be in loads of space because that player out on the wings had to come to me um, so it's a massive massive blow for Liverpool um, I, I'm not going to lie I'm surprised that Liverpool are potentially going to offer him a new deal because I don't think he's been available enough and that's just sadly the, the hard truth um, like I mentioned I think he's a brilliant centre half and on his day um, I think he's one of the top in the, in the Premier League I think he's right up there but he's not been available enough and Canate is not available enough and Joe Gomez isn't available enough and I actually need one of you to be available enough for Liverpool yeah. um, because it's all well and good being a boss centre-half but if we can't use you at half the time or if we can't trust in your availability then that's really going to hurt Liverpool um, and that's what they've got to figure out is that 
Joel Matip was already heavily an injury-prone player, and everyone hates that word, but I'm still using it because it's true. Um, Which one, injury or prone? <laughs> injury-prone, both of them. Hyphenated. Um, hyphenated, yeah. Um, but now that he's done his ACL, it, who knows how he's going to come back, and who yeah. knows if other injuries aren't going to pick up. And well, he's it, done, isn't just... it? Liverpool are not going to be offering him a three-year contract. No. That's not what they're going to do. They're going to just basically make sure that he's got a, a, a livelihood coming in while he's been injured on Liverpool's books. If nothing else, it'll just be covering the six months maybe that he's lost as a footballer through the injury or whatever. So I wouldn't worry about four more years of Joel Matter being our second-choice centre-half, but it does open up an interesting conversation, Dan, about mm. what what do we do? Because there, were no, there was no real talk of him being offered a new contract no. as an extension if he was fit it looked like for all intents and purposes like he was going to see his contract out and walk out which means Liverpool would need to go into the market and again that opens up the question of do you just do something now in January because if you knew you if you knew in the summer you needed someone to replace Matip and now Matip's gone then then surely you need someone to replace Matip now I, I, I personally think so yeah I, I make no sort of bones about my opinion on this I think we need to go into the market in January and do it certainly if we're still fighting on all four fronts um, which I hope and it looks like we may very well be doing uh, and yeah you kind of touched on it there there's a good chance Liverpool would have needed the Joel Matip replacement anyway because he's 32 now you know obviously there's really bad injury before 33 next summer it'd be out of contract next summer Liverpool didn't really like they've gone off him a new deal I think the injury might have sort of forced our hand a little bit yeah. into sort of doing good by him which I completely agree with by the way I think that's absolutely the right decision by the club Chris men- mentioned this means more and Liverpool doing a solid for Joel Matip is the right decision we make no two ways about that but for me yeah we've got to go and do something because Joe Gomez is currently our backup centre back right back and left back that's humanly impossible um, he's also not <laughs> never stopped James Milner <laughs> no, <that's true. laughs> he's also not the most reliable when it comes to fitness albeit those days are a little bit behind Joe Gomez touch wood I think it's fair to say um, yeah Cheers, everyone. Um, Joel Matip himself has his injury problems quite regularly. And Canarse, for me, is sort of the standout in this conversation because you've, you've all kind of alluded to it in so much as he hasn't ever ousted Joel Matip at any point in the season and said, this is my shirt, like, this is me. I'm alongside Virgil van Dijk. I'm the heir to that particular throne. Don't worry about it. And part of that form, but also the more worrying part for me is the fact that Liverpool look like, and it's kind of been the case since he arrived at the football club, you can't get 10 games out of him. You might not be able to get five or six out of him. And Liverpool, it seems as though I've realised that. I even think at the weekend, as much as I really like Joel Concert, I think he's got an incredibly bright future at Liverpool Football Club. I don't think he's starts that game if we trust Canarse implicitly I think it's Canarse and the fact that we make that change in 70 minutes kind of suggests that as well because we only can rely on Canarse for 20-30 minutes here and there and maybe the odd start so that's quite worrying to me and if I if we're sitting here saying Liverpool win a title race, we think Liverpool win the title, we think Liverpool can do this, that and the other, go and do it. And Liverpool haven't been adverse to fast-forwarding summer plans in recent years. We did it with Diaz, we did it with Gakpo. Go and do it again, lads, because we are on the precipice, on the cusp of doing something really special this season. If signing the centre-half that you want is anyway six months down the line, get you over the line, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Chris? The question, I agree with everything you've said there. The question is, can you get the centre-half that you want yes. six months down the line? And that's why why Liverpool may air here and might not do the business that they want. But I've I've always said this for years: don't waste an opportunity. And mm. it feels like there's an opportunity to win a league title. Here. Don't waste it. Mm. Like if it means, unfortunately, that you sign someone for six months because you can't get the right guy, but it gives you a better chance of winning the league this season. That's what I would do. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I disagree on that. That's not what I would do, but that's absolutely fair for people to have mm. those things. So I, I, and this is what I think Liverpool will do rather than what I want them to do, to be honest, is that they've historically proven that they won't do that unless there's a mad crisis, crisis yeah. you know, and that's where, that's where it was I, Joel Massive last time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah was well, here, 100% that. because yeah, yeah. We, he was the last one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he was yeah. the last of our centre-halves. Um, I, I feel quite content about this, you know, at the moment because I think we've got a little bit of time to work it out and I think there's some moving parts to all this in the next couple of weeks. So I think... Connor Bradley's a part of this, you know, in terms of in terms of right back cover, because obviously right now Joe Gomez is, as you're saying, he's doing all of this. But Joe Gomez doesn't need to be right back cover, centre back cover, and left back cover if Andy Robertson comes back and Connor Bradley's good enough to cover those other games. And by that I mean the cup games. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um if he's good enough to be Trent's understudy, then there's something that, that that helps us with. How good Quanta proves to be, I don't think the weekend helped his cause loads. Um, I thought he was fine, by the way, but we talked about it pre-match. There's a lot of pressure all of a sudden when you're saying, we're not buying a centre-half, here's my centre-half that I'm saying is good enough to replace Matip, and then he gives away a penalty and then gets hooked not long, not long afterwards. Um, I'm glad that people aren't, there doesn't seem to be a lot of conversation around that, which is great. It's kind of been lost in the shuffle of the of mm-hmm. the match itself. But he will definitely be an interesting part of this. And I think the defensive midfield thing is another part because if our plan is was, was always to go and get another defensive midfielder in January, and that's where our funds are being apportioned, then what does that look like, and what does that mean for what we do as well? I don't have the total answer on that, by the mm-hmm. way. But I think there's a few. There's a few ways to skin the cat. For me, the 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 answer is: Can you get a left footed Joe Gomez? And if yeah. you can, then you move heaven and earth to make that happen in January. Mm. But if you can't, my fear is you end up with someone like look at Arsenal with Trossard. Everyone was commending them for signing Leandro Trossard last year because they were on the move and signing uh, Jorginho, smart signings. But all of a sudden, you're a year on and you own Leandro Trossard, and he's meant to be better than. Martinelli or he's got to put pressure on Martinelli and he's not he's a backup player and I don't think Liverpool need backup players I think we've got backup players we've got Quantas as a backup player he's a Europa League League Cup FA Cup level footballer at the moment if we're going to buy a next centre half he's got to be better than Joel Matip for me and Joel Matip's brilliant and that's where it confuses I think what we're doing in January but again I think there's there's a I think he's going to be better than Canate at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not many yeah. people out there that are yeah. better than Joe Matic when he's yeah. fit, to be honest. No, yeah. I think he's brilliant. And I think one thing I do disagree with you there, Paul, is that I think Liverpool's plans changed maybe over the course of the last couple of months with the DM. I don't think that's part of what they're thinking is anymore. Mm. I think they've looked at it in the way that the, the the sort of season's going on and they've gone, you know what, I'm quite happy with McAllister in here and you know we might find out there's an injury there or something like that that might change it and put the DM back, yeah. back at the top of the list yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But ultimately, I think we've got enough midfielders and what what will stop us from winning the league this season is the defence and the injury issues that we've got in yeah. the defence. Yeah. On, on that, because no one can tell me that we won't be somewhere down the line in this particular season without Joe Gomez or Ibu Canate at the same time. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, albeit Quanta look 
really good and looks great, you are heavily reliant on Joe Quanta because he's suddenly the guy. You're not yeah. picking and choosing to play Quanta. You have to play Quanta. Nobody can guarantee me that that won't be the yeah, case yeah. at some point. Totally. And the midfield as well. I A few weeks ago, if we'd have had this conversation prior to Massive's injury, I would have been all in on a DM. But I kind of think you're right. I think you can muddle through in that DM situation, certainly when you factor in Pachetic, albeit who knows, and a little bit of Thiago. I'm always reticent to say that because massively who knows. But if you can get a bit of a tune out of those two, then that adds more options in there. So all of a sudden, you're midfield situation looks okay wherever your defensive one isn't a crisis point yet but you know if you're smart and you're forward thinking enough that at some point that could well be the case and also Pachetic we've seen him be a right back in Austria mm. didn't we at the start yeah. of the season so that is another thing there he's another he's another fact that I've not mentioned there that might actually ease a burden in a variety of circumstances the other one as well is again why I think you know, we were talking about this about pushing the button on certain transfers and we said it in the summer of like just go and buy Manu Kone and then he goes and gets injured and that's it and you know you could have got him and then you're buying an injured player and you've spunked 40 million 50 million of your budget where I think we, we, we've got a couple of weeks to kind of get the lay of the land a little bit more on this because the midfield the DM thing the thing that shifts this is one is Trent and again Connor Bradley has a little conversation around that certainly and also the DM situation of McAllister's out for a little spell at the moment now with Taro Endo's going to the Asia Cup for the same period that Salah's going to AFCON mm-hmm. which is like first, at the end of the first week in January potentially till the f- second week in February which is a big old swathe of football matches what, the, what does that knock on impact look like because you've got you've got to play someone right wing for that for that spell of time you've had this conversation about is that going to be Sobers lie and I think that can be Sobers lie if you if Alexis McAllister isn't wedded to the six but if Alexis McAllister's wedded to play in the six for us then we're losing a, an attacking midfield option and then there's a knock on impact to, to all of these things yeah. so yeah there's loads of moving parts to this for me again the simple answer is go and buy a left footed centre half who can do a bit a bit of a job at left back and I think you've it's, it's it. an absolute nice you, you've boxed that off and you've solved your problem for years to come um, but I wonder whether Liverpool have got a clever multi-positional how interesting why, why the left footed thing why are you wedded to that because of what Gomez can give you because what Gomez right now is doing is he's doing a sensational job at left back in a tradi- more traditional flying left back kind of sense if Gomez I, Gomez right back. Okay. If you could do, if you could get Gomez, if you could get a Gomez who was left footed to do that for the left hand side, and then no matter what happens, you've got someone who can cover in, cover in and do a brilliant job at centre half. But actually, he can do more of what Robertson does than Simicast does on the left mm. back. He's going to get his game because that's the issue of buying a centre half. Where does he? When does he play? You know, you you buy a if you buy a centre half who's just a centre back. Well, you've got we've got a lot of them actually still. If, yeah, and and so he's actually got to be sensational to come in to make that a worthwhile thing. Whereas if you get someone who can do a bit of both, that gives. I have interest. Why not just a right-footed one who can just do what Gomez is doing? Because Gomez, well, because we because the the, the likelihood is. The one spot in the defence that they're going to be needed is the Long right side of the centre back. Yeah. yeah, but we've got loads of right footed centre halves and no left footed ones. And, and but the again, injury problems are to Gomez and Canate and to Matip, and so mm. they're the, that's the spot, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but if we're a right footed centre half, can play left side of centre half. Let's not be leftist. We, we've, I, uh, it's about time we actually oh, sure to left side of centre half. <laughs> I like I like that idea personally. I do. I, I I would go with that as well. And also that opens up the possible avenue as one Liverpool have been quite sort of heavily linked with and have reportedly scouted quite a bit in Inasio with Sporting. Yeah. Plus there's 
sort of the argument you raised, and rightly so, about can you get him? Lad's got a release clause, and York's Madka loves a release clause. Yeah. So, yes, you can go and get him. That's your element there. And one more uh, angle I want to throw in on this is Nat Phillips returns in January. Well, he's, yeah, we were saying this today. He's definitely back, isn't he? And he'll, he'll do a stopgappy thing if we need to. Yeah. Again, it's it's it, it, it's tough. There's a number of things that happen. I think fitness for other football players will determine how pressing it is that you literally go out and buy a, a nailed-on Joel Matter replacement and whether you're getting someone who can do something a bit. I mean, someone saying here, uh, Isti Urban says, uh, thoughts on the Polina rumour. Uh, I think he would be outstanding f- uh, for us for five years. So I don't agree with that. But um, And a mentor to Stefan. Um, I don't I don't see it. No, it has sorry. to be last year. He's 60 million they want. Or even if it's not that, even if it's 50, even if it's 40, he's 28. I think as a footballer, as a profile. where he's going as well. Bayern he's been was heavily, yeah. He's been, yeah. I think as a profile, as a footballer, yeah, I completely get it. Of course I do. He's been outstanding ever since he arrived in the Premier League, but I don't see Liverpool spending an inordinate nor any money on a 28 year old. I think we did that with Thiago. We got our fingers burnt a little bit if we're going to be dead honest about it. Mm. Just don't see Liverpool doing it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree with that one. But yeah, I, I would be surprised if we didn't move for someone in the window. Same. But Lad to the point, I'm not sure who it is just yet because that's the, the beauty of kind of what we've got. We've got a lot of, we've got, you've got a surprising amount of versatility in the squad at the moment. Mm. We might be one injury away from that being answered. And yeah. I don't hope that yes. will happen. And obviously. it could be anyone. Or, yeah. But, yeah. Injury or fitness. Yeah. Know, if like Andy Robinson yeah. just comes back and he's fine, then that, you breathe a bit more easily on a lot of things. If for some reason Canate does just stay fit. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> as wild, as wild a shelter as that might be, you know, it's less of, less of an issue. And again, all the things that we've mentioned already. Um, what would you do watching at home? What would be your one move? Don't even need to say the, the football if you're not asked for naming individual names but in terms of like flexibility do you go flexibility or do you go with someone who's absolutely 100% nailed on it because it gets a tough ask isn't it you know because you say Canate's been bought for that job on his day Canate's more than good enough to do it but how do you then convince someone else because they're probably around that age bracket as well you're looking at aren't you you're looking at 21, 22, 23 you're bringing someone in yeah, interesting. The Le- the the Dinashio and the Levi Colwell links are the ones for me. And I mean, Colwell's had a bit of a crap season, mm-hmm. but in terms of the profile of what would be nice for us to be able to have, because then you get to solve the Shimacast thing in the summer and go, there you go, boss season, gives a bit of money, see you later. Um, USG, Chris Pajak, sending the kids? Sending all of the kids, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, do, I do think it's going to be stronger than than, than I would certainly feel. Um, but yeah, there wouldn't be many faces that you'd recognise on the plane if I was in charge. <laughs> Anyone? Agree. Yeah. What does it look like? The under 18 side. <laughs> <laughs> League Cup, Club World Cup, Shadow Squads. Yeah, definitely. The team that we took to Villa. Oh, the Villa one. Yeah, yeah. God, yeah. It's Kelleher, isn't it? Keller and Keller, yeah. Definitely From Villa. Yeah. Um, right back, if Bradley's ready, probably go Bradley, I would I would say. Quanta starts. Who's partnering him? Do we need... The problem is with this, and I agree with Chris, I think it'd be stronger than any of us would like, because do we need... Can I to get minutes? Do we need Gomez? Can I can I offer you just as a, a jumping off point is our starting eleven against AC Milan in the San Siro? Yeah, go on. And bear in mind that obviously AC Milan were 
were they even champions that year or was on that the way that to being champions? Yeah, he crossed Latin, he did indeed. <laughs> Arigi started, didn't he? Uh, yeah, Alisson started in goal, funnily enough. The back four was Simicash, Canate, Phillips, and Nico Williams. The midfield was uh, Minamino, Morton, and Chamberlain. Jesus Christ. Mane, Origi, Salah started, but by the end, Fabinho, Cater, Gomez, Max Waltman and Connor yeah. Bradley had all come on the pitch as well yeah. for Liverpool. Elijah Dixon Bonner was on the bench and not used. We had uh, James Norris on the bench as well. Um, the other centre-half's the problem, I think, for us. Is Billy Camatio still He's gone. He's, he's playing in League 2 in, oh, in France. Or League Chair, I should Billy say. Luke Chambers. Yeah. Left back. Left back. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, pretty for certain. Okay. Doke's, out, Doke's in there if he's fit. Doke's in there if he's fit. He came off a cramp last week at Bradford, yeah, but providing he's okay, I would definitely be starting Doke. He starts a lot of these games regardless, doesn't he? So, yeah, yeah he feels like a no-brainer to me. Um, Cade Gordon might be in the rounds, the squad, I would imagine. I think there's a word on the Cade Gordon thing where he's been on the bench for the last two Europa League games. I think Doke starts because he's been starting those games when he's mm. been available for us, but Salah's been coming on. And I think this is the game where you just don't bother with Salah. You just go, sorry, mate, you don't, you know, go, go and get her, go and get your feet up. And actually, you look at there's an opportunity to give Kate Gordon, even if it's just it's 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If that, but yeah, yeah. whatever it is, because that'll actually be a good psychological lift for him. That's well. for a long time out. Yeah, I agree. The midfield. Whereas well, McConnell, the yeah, end, we've seen a fair amount of him in yeah. pre season. I felt actually quite impressed with him pre season. He's been in around a couple of squads. Trey and Yoni got a call up to the Premier League squad mm. just before the recent international break. Now, he is young, mm. very young, but very highly thought of. So actually, possibly he's, him. he's the one I'd add, eh? Because he's so young, he's going to play. Can he? Yeah, there's a B list, isn't it? There's like yeah. the all on pretty all much, on, I think. Yeah. yeah, so he should be okay. Other than that, but is he on the B list? Because he's so. I'm sure he is. Yeah. Is Bobby Clark another option he's injured, here? Isn't he? He has been, but he's also back. I think he's is been he? injured. I'm sure he's if back. If he's in the fit, round. he'll be involved he because be. he's been. Klopp's also talked about him. That he's yeah. a bit upset that he for him that he wasn't fit enough. Oh, he's missed out on minutes. He would have played Europa League football yeah. this season without doubt. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's. I mean, the other two, screaming out. If they're not going to start at the weekend, are Elliot and Jones? Yeah, aren't they? They're the two because do you want to get minutes into them? It's just whether Jones starts at the weekend, exactly. Yeah, we'd go Elliot. I, I don't. You all hate Harvey I Elliott. Know, so I, 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 I don't think that Elliot will start. I think Jones has got more chance of starting against United than oh, yeah. Elliot has. Yeah, and so therefore, I think it makes more sense that Elliot starts this game and Jones doesn't. It's like there's an interesting conversation on the, the centre forward because Darwin Nunes is in absolutely stinking form for us at the moment. Cody Gakpo's been all right, but Gakpo should, by all accounts, start this game because that's been the, his cycle mm -hmm. of late. But I wonder whether this is a cycle breaker where Darwin actually could do with getting in and getting a goal, but also hang about if you if you're feeding the uh, with it, feeding him with a bunch of kids around him. Um, is that actually going to help him get across the line? I, that's a real, that's the, the big question because we're going to have to start some senior players. So, as we say, it's going to be at least one from Gomez and Canate. It's going to be at least one from Jones and Elliot, mm -hmm. I'd suggest. Yep. Who's, McConnell could do the DM thing and that would maybe take that. And then because of our forward options, one of Gapo and Nunes 
And then does Diaz ha- kind of have to start? I, I don't think so. No. I'd go, I'd go Callum Scanlon. Just love anyone in. I would honestly, care, I'd no. avoid Diaz at all costs. He's played a lot of footy recently. Chloe doesn't care. Just do a clown. Yeah, I don't care. Just lob a load of kids on the pitch. But which kids, Chloe? That's <laughs> what we're trying care. to determine. Genuinely don't care. Somebody cares. Let's who, say. who wants, who, just go round the AXA and Melwood and just be like, who wants to Hands start up. this game of football? Hands up, who wants to we're, start? We're all going to put your names in a bowl and we're just going to Spin- pick Pick your name out. Pick what position you're playing, and that's what you're doing. Because I, I don't, I just don't care. Let the kids have a lovely time, and if they get battered eight nil, so what? Um, I so what? Just Chloe's got Keller at centre half and a young yeah. goalkeeper in the. In Chloe's not going to this one, which is yeah, which you can tell in the demeanour straight off the bat. Um, no scandal for me, left wing. Okay. He's actually been alright. So yeah. Honestly, I would. I'm just thinking about lads who've been in the round master squads regardless because it's very unlikely that we get genuine under-18s who've never been with Jürgen Klopp, whether it be training or one of these squads. That feels impossible We're to me. We're name badges. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, got, it's got to be a familiar face to the other lads. Not all going, who's this lad on the plane? It's not, <laughs> not going to be the case. Yeah, it's not the lad who jumped in the celebrations in Istanbul. Yeah, exactly. the tracky, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. He's probably right. No, the pre-season stuff, a little bit of training stuff and like I say, some Master squads this season and Scanlon fits that bill for me. He's actually a left back, but he's played quite a lot as a left winger um, for the for the academy stuff. So I feel like he could be and Chambers behind him. Yeah, why not? Because we've got to be a blend of youth and experience and having one experienced lad in kind of all the departments seems to fit that bill to me. Yeah. Could could you could you do something wild and like throw another midfielder in throw Elliot on the right and Doak on the left hand side or something yeah you know quite possibly I mean? yeah yeah Doak's played central a bit as well so maybe he plays different roles for the Scotland mm. under 21s especially so yeah you could do we have enough players in, in and around it to do a, a whole I don't think we no, no. <laughs> centre back is the biggest issue for that yeah Genuinely, because who, who is there anyone who's who's next in line? Honestly, they're young. They're really young. So to sort of to cut this short, I went and watched the 21s last week against Bradford in the cup, and there was two 16-year-old centre halves playing for under 21s: Amar and Nalo and Carter Pinnington. Really young, up against Andy Cook, who's like a seasoned veteran goal scorer down the league too, and they got beat, but they did okay. They made good account of themselves, but that's to sort of emphasise the jump. Yeah. You're going from Gomez Canate to a 16 year old essentially. I say let them have a go. <laughs> let them play. Let them play. Christmas, so guys, it's yeah. Um, Saul here with the super chat is uh, just going back to our previous conversation. Agree with Chris. Don't need a traditional DM and uh, maybe a more skilled endo to play multiple positions like Milner and as a double pivot with Trent in attack. Sure. Um, okay cool we're going to wrap that up there um, we're going to be continuing uh, very shortly over on redmenplus.com with the biased football podcast where we're looking at the uh, the rest of the Premier League and obviously with Liverpool top of the pile we just discuss how they got there all the wild antics that have gone on around the league that have conspired in our favour for once um, so yeah we're going to be doing obviously Aston Villa heavy emphasis on the brilliance of Aston Villa uh, Arsenal starting to have a little bit of a, a wobble Newcastle just being utterly shite this week hmm. Everton 
Britain are in a European form um, and beyond. I think they're going to finish 10th. <laughs> Outrageous. I Outrageous. I think they're going to finish 10th. And then they're going to get the points added back on and they're going to end up in the Conference League. Uh, and then Sean Dyche won't be the manager to deliver that and they'll be getting relegated the season after, whatever it takes. Uh, come and join us. Uh, go to RedmanPlus.com, sign up. Uh, and if you join as a legend, you're going to be entered into those prize draws as well for the rest of the Christmas period. So yes, fill your boots and we'll see you over there. Ta-da. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.